Hello, and welcome to Outnumber the Podcast. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Audrey. And we're homeschooling moms to a combined total of 18 children. We know firsthand that motherhood is full of crazy chaos and overwhelming obligations, but it should also be full of love and laughter. Regardless of where you are on your journey, come join us as we work together to find joy in the chaos of motherhood. Hello and welcome to episode 40. Today we're going to be talking about kids and how we handle money with kids. And this is kind of a companion episode to the very popular episode that we did earlier on kids and how to afford kids, episode 25. That one's kind of gone viral and you guys love that. So we thought we'd talk about the other aspect of it, how we train our kids about money. Yeah, yeah. It's uh it really is two different subjects, how you handle your own money and then how you teach and manage money uh with your children. So this should be fun. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna start out with a review. I got a review for you and Bonnie's got a humor segment. Okay, so one angry apple one two three left a rating and it says a fun listen. It feels like I'm on a three way call with these mamas. I love the experience they offer and the lighthearted move they bring mood they bring to motherhood topics. Heart love this. <laughs> Thank oh, you for so that sweet. review. Yeah, I have to share that the more I listen to podcasts, the more I realize how much we are not professional podcasters, <laughs> but we are kind of professional moms. We've been doing it for a while and we love motherhood and we love sharing. And so we're so grateful for you guys that keep sticking around, keep listening, even through our ums and stumbles and our mom brain that forgets everything. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I have a quick humor segment to share. It doesn't have anything to do with money, but I recently rediscovered my kids' uh, quote book where I was writing down all the funny things and cute things they said. This is a really fun thing to do, by the way. Um, in fact, just a side note, if you want to start doing this, I'm going to, in the show notes, I'll include a link to a super awesome app I use to do it now. Um, so you don't have to have an actual notebook. Everything can be digital. Anyway, so um, <laughs> this was from my oldest when he was just little, maybe five or six. He was building some sort of a Lego base. And he said, mom, mom, look at what I'm building. This is the this is my OSS base. I'm like OSS, oh that's cool. What what does OSS stand for? And he said, justice and liberty. <laughs> Wait a minute, what? Like, like I'm wondering what OSS stands for. Like, is it Operation Something Something? He says it stands for justice and liberty. Like that's what they stand for. Those are their values. <laughs> I thought, oh, that is just adorable. <laughs> so cute. Uh, yeah. Good, good times. Uh, yeah, I need to um, start use that app and start writing things down because I'm starting to forget all the cute and funny things that my kids have said. So Yeah, sometimes I forget them by the end of the day. Seriously, it, it's just said in passing and I'm like, oh, that's cute. And then And sometimes you're so focused on what you're doing that it doesn't even really hit you how funny or cute it is until you tell someone later. And so that's my, that's my tip is to, to yeah. pull out your phone and record it really quickly and then you don't forget later. So Yeah. Okay, today we're going to talk all about kids and money, how we educate our kids about money. And we're going to discuss um, some of the different things that kids, some of the ways that they, just the inner, innate um, money skills that they have and the ability to deal with money or the inability to deal with money. And so all about kids and money. You can imagine with like... 18 kids between us, we have a little bit of experience with the different ways that kids react to and handle the different ideas they have about money. So 
Yeah. And it's very interesting to see even at a young age, how kids react to money and things that they want and earning things. It's, it's really fascinating to teach them. Um, and we are also going to approach the great allowance question of whether or not you should give your kids money to spend. So this should be fun. Okay. So we're going to start with the why. Um, why do we teach kids about money? Uh, kind of seems obvious, right? Um, but this is sort of a new new thing. Um, our generation and our parents' generation, money was kind of a taboo thing to talk about, or maybe that was just, I don't know, in my, my experience. But um, we want to prepare our kids for a successful financial future. We want them to be able to fulfill their dreams if they want to travel, if they want to... Um, do whatever they want. I want them to be able to afford it. And we want them to learn to be generous givers. So those are three of our goals for our kids, teaching them, educating them about money. Wow. I love that. Especially the generous givers part. What a great, a great legacy to leave your children is um, a good, healthy relationship with money and the ability to, to give it away and to use it, you know, for, for good. And really, even though money often evokes so many emotions, money is really a very emotionless object. It's just a thing and it's really just a tool, but all of us have a little bit of, you know, passion tied to it, whether we grew up without a lot or we had a lot and we feel like it did us no good or we've misused it or whatever. Money has a lot of emotion tied to it. So I think the trick is to separate it from the emotion and teach our kids how to use it as a tool, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, and I know that um, whether whether we like it or not, whether we agree with it or not, um, money does have some social status connected to it, uh, whether you have it or you don't have it. It, it. Just from the fact of, you know, keeping you out of hunger and then all the way to the other end of the extreme, um, you know, there's just some status connected to money or the lack thereof. And like we kind of have, oh, maybe um, respect toward people who have more money or, you know, just admiration or, you know, a whole host of things that can be connected with money. And we just want our kids to have healthy uh, (laughs) ideas and thoughts and, and success with money all around. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's where a lot of the emotion comes from is that we see, we use money as a status symbol and we think that, you know, we'll become better people or more important people or more lovable people if we have more money. And we often view other people the same way, even if it's unintentional. Like I do not, I do not walk around thinking all people with money are more valuable than people without money. Obviously I don't believe that, but I find myself acting that way sometimes. It's really kind of disturbing. And so I think that that healthy relationship in teaching your children that it is a very um, non-emotional tool to use and to, and to keep it from taking over their life in an unhealthy way is a really, really important thing to pass on. Okay. So our whys are similar to yours. I loved everything you listed. Also, um, it's really important for me that my kids understand, just have a little bit of a clue about how expensive life is. So we moved into this new house last year. It's not new, but it's new to us. And obviously a bump in mortgage, a bump in electrical costs, water costs, everything. Um, and so it's been 
very eye-opening for us to, you know, just adjust to this. That happens anytime you have a big transition like that, but also to communicate that to our children. So we have children that are old enough to really understand that. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but how important it is for them to be aware of what your financial situation is, you know? Um, another why is to prevent entitlement. Honestly, personally, I don't know if there's anything worse than a selfish child and a child who has no clue what everyone around him is sacrificing for him. And that just expects things to be given to him. It, oh, it infuriates me. <laughs> I really, really hope my children are not entitled. Um, and then finally, I want to teach them the value of work and, um, money management skills. And just a quick little example of this is we recently started our little family economy with my six-year-old, usually five and under. We don't really do much with them, and I'll explain how we do that later. But it has been so fun to watch him save for things and to like, you know, do this pro and con, this analysis between the things that he wants. And like, is that worthwhile? Is that more worthwhile? We'll go to the store and he'll see a pack of candy and he'll say, can I have it? And I'll say, you can, but remember this one thing you were going to save for that would take some money away from that. And he sits and he thinks about it. It's just so fun <laughs> to see kids, yeah. you know, do that delayed gratification because they're really hoping for something else. It's, it's just awesome to me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love those whys that you guys have too. Okay. And now we're going to talk about specifically how we teach our kids about money and um, go through some of the exact things that we do. So we're really excited to share this part with you. Okay, so we start um, at a pretty early age and we just expose our kids. Obviously, you know, as part of their math, um, that you start teaching them about currency and about money and about adding. And, you know, this is this shape is a nickel and it's worth five cents. And, you know, that all comes with math. So that comes pretty early um, currency and learning about you know, dollar bills and numbers and all that. That's pretty obvious, but it's a good time um, that we like to dis start discussing money with them. And one thing we introduce really early on to our kids is the idea of being a consumer versus being a producer. And we um, like to encourage our kids early to adopt and side on the side of the producer mentality. So um, instead of using money to consume, um, we like to use money to make things, to produce things, to be able to sell things and generate more money and just kind of start on that idea really early on. I really like that concept and sharing it with your kids. You know, we actually recently had a conversation with my kids about consumer versus producer of media. You know, like it's so tempting to just sit and scroll on our phones or watch TV all day or watch videos all day. But um, we can focus on putting more good into the world instead of just consuming whatever is out there. And I love using the same, um, you know, having the same conversation in regards to money. I think that's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Consumer versus producer can be applied to so many areas of life. Yeah. Okay, so then um, when they get a little bit older and they can understand, um, we start introducing different money paradigms. So um, we talk about how, um, you know, the one money idea and paradigm in school of thought is savings and taking on the value or um, taking advantage of the value of compounding interest. And um, now in our days of super, super, super low interest rate, this model is kind of not the best way to build wealth is through compounding interest because it just doesn't happen with <laughs> super low interest rates. Yeah. Anyway, we discuss, yeah, we discuss all that with our kids. Um, and then we talk about the idea of cash flow and talk about money um, 
in the concept of it being like water. And so instead of thinking there's a, um, a finite amount and um, now that we're not tied to that gold standard anymore, you know, we introduce that to our kids. So we talk about money using the concept of water. So it's flowing and you, you know, you can use buckets and say, see the water's flowing from this bucket to this buckets. And that's a fun one to do with kids. And then another, um, okay. So then we talk about debt and we introduce the ideas of, you know, good debt and bad debt or building your credit through debt or, you know, lots of, lots of debt ideas. And we just start talking about this stuff in front of them. And really, even before they're too young, old enough to take, um, part in the conversation. They just kind of, you know, listen in and are picking up on some of these concepts. And then one final um, thing that we introduce pretty early to our kids is the idea of active versus passive incomes, because that really gets their wheels turning. You know, they go to Walmart and they're like, okay, uh, this is, you know, who here is making money through active, you know, the person, the cashier, they're, they're making money through something they're doing. And then passive income is maybe, um, like the owner of Walmart, you might say, and he's he's not doing anything, you could say, to make money that day. He's already got his wheels in motion. It's happening. Not the greatest idea uh, example, but um, you start, yeah, you start talking to kids about active versus passive income at this stage as well. Yeah, I love all those concepts. And honestly, I think I need to sit in on more of your uh, money management talks because <laughs> I'm still learning a lot of it myself. And I'm realizing how... Um, poor of a money education I had as a kid. And I think that that's really, really common nowadays. I think it's, you know, it's not talked about in schools hardly at all, which I think is really sad. Um, and then if so, if parents don't take an active role in explaining these things to kids, they go out and get a credit card and rack up all this debt and very painfully learn the lesson of cash flow and of debt asset management oh, yeah. and all these things, you know? And so if we can teach our kids early on and learn ourselves first, then our kids are going to have a much uh, bigger head start than all the rest of their peers in building wealth as they get older, you know? I don't feel like I had a great money education growing up either. I remember in high school, there was this class that you could take on finance. And I was like, huh, what's that? What, what's finance? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but my husband is super good at all this stuff. He's really into economics and has studied in depth a lot of different financial ideas. And, and you know, the cool thing about money and the education of money is it's something we can learn right alongside of our kids. Like our education on this never stops until we stop using money, which is when we're dead, right? <laughs> yes. Agreed. Yeah. And we need to be open to, yeah, to learning the things right along with them and letting them know when we don't understand something or when we've made a mistake. I really wish I would have seen people making money mistakes when I was younger so that I could have avoided some of them myself. <laughs> um, and we, we've slowly started sharing um, our own family finances with our kids. Um, and it's a very easy way to, to teach them things. So like you teach them about mortgages when you get a mortgage or, you know, if you've had one in the past or if you're thinking about one or you, somebody else buys a house and you say, do you know how people buy houses? Most of the time, it's not with cash, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and like you said earlier in the intro, this used to be very taboo. What was the social, the social rule was you'd never talk about politics, religion, or money <laughs> in polite company. Yeah. <laughs> but I really think that we do our yeah. kids a disservice if we don't, um, you know, have very open, frank conversations about this is what our income looks like. This is what our expenses look like. We don't have to tell them everything, but I don't think that it, that it hurts to, to let them in on the situation. Yeah, absolutely. agree. Then when kids get a little older, then we start talking about economics. Now, this is sort of high school level. And 
And as they come up to it um, in their study of history, um, we talk about economics and about the different schools of thought on economics like Keynesian and Austrian and how those developed and when they developed and why in history they developed. And then, um, you know, as we go through history, we talk about, oh, like, you know, the Weimar Germany and the, and the, is something we're studying right now, um, the time between World War One and World War Two, and when money was just like my son and I were talking about how the kids in Germany they just used it as like building blocks, and there was just money in the streets. And they burnt money to keep warm because it was cheaper than firewood. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So as they come up to it, it's just you know it's a good place to start a conversation. Oh yeah, you know you know why that happened, and there used to be a gold standard, and so you just talk about all these things as they come up in their high school studies. I do remember a very early lesson about economics when I was a kid. Um, we lived in Mexico multiple times because my dad was on foreign assignment for some auto automotive companies. And uh, we went there one time when I was little and the peso was at a certain point. And when we came back, maybe eight years later, it had devalued so much that it was worth almost nothing. And I remember as a 12-year-old thinking, wait a minute, you mean it, you know, a hundred pesos used to buy, you know, whatever, a, a shirt and mm. now it buys a candy bar, you know, or even more so. Mm. I can't remember exactly how much it devalued, but it was such a foreign concept to me that money could could be devalued, that it was not this constant. And I think that that was uh, an important lesson for me, even early on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then another thing to come um, up to discuss as they come to it in history is the different um, economic systems. These systems like socialism, capitalism, communism, they're political systems, but there is also um, economic ramifications and um, systems of all these too. So then we, my this is like right up my husband's alley. He loves to discuss all this stuff and I just sit back and listen and learn right along with the kids. <laughs> Okay. And then um, next we start with uh, practical, putting in some practical applications for our kids. So like when they get old enough, we teach them how to write a check. And um, like, I think we discussed this in another earlier episode. I don't even remember which one, but I think you and I both start sending our kids into the grocery store to pick up something um, for us. And then they, you know, they, te they learn how to use your card or how to write a check as they do that. And then they start thinking about how much money costs and comparing the prices of things. And yeah, so like you said, helping with the family financials. And then we encourage them to start setting personal goals and how, how to achieve it. And um, in our episode 25 on kids and family, I went specifically through how um, we help our kids set goals for college and then how to pay for it and walk them through that. So I won't repeat it here, but that's a pretty big goal um, that we're at, with a practical application that we're working through with our kids. And um, it's really, really exciting to see them have their own personal financial goals and to be meeting them. Oh, I bet. That's so cool. Especially as they get older and they need to save for something gigantic like college or a car or, yeah. or any number of things. That's so fun. Okay. One thing we do for, oh, about age 10-ish, it depends on um, the kid, but we encourage them to run their own business. So come up with a business idea and and run it. So, you know, how are you going to get your business started? So for example, I'm just going to use one of my kids' um, little businesses that they had. Um, my son made and sold um, zucchini bread and banana bread at farmer's market. So he got a stand and he, you know, paid 
took a loan from us to get his first set of ingredients. And then out of his earnings, he bought, you know, supplies for the next time and then, you know, so on. And he was building his little farmer's market zucchini bread business and selling it. And, oh, we have pictures of him. I guess I can put one on Instagram this week if I can find it. This is my big 19-year-old son. And when he was, oh, I don't know, 10 or something, and he's like got 18 pans laid out in front of him and he's dishing ah, up the, <laughs> the banana bread or whatever he was making. And in um, yeah, so he had a successful business. And by the end of the summer, you know, he's got uh, some money in his bank account. And he's like, wow, that was really cool. And you just uh, dip their toe in the waters of what it is to run a business at a very early age. Oh, I love that so much. And uh, as entrepreneurs, obviously, we both feel very passionate about teaching kids to um, to start their own businesses. Um, And we've only started doing a little bit of of that here because my kids are younger, but I'm so excited. And and I'll just offer, I, I honestly think that we should do an entire episode on kid entrepreneurs and talking about how to encourage kids. Oh, to yeah. business. It would be so fun. But just few, two, oh, yeah. two little tips that I was thinking about and wanted to share right now is if you want to get a kid involved in their own business, I think one of the first things you need to remember is to allow your child to fail. So this is very hard for me because I'm type A, <laughs> control freak. And like, you know, if a kid comes up with an idea and they're really excited about it, my first reaction is that's not going to work. <laughs> I'm just trying to be realistic. I don't want, I don't <laughs> yeah. want them to fail, right? I don't I don't want them to see to see them heartbroken. I don't want them to lose money, but that's probably the biggest lesson anyone learns in business is to fail quickly or to, to allow yourself to fail and fail quickly, right? Um, so allow them to, you know, if they want to sell friendship bracelets to a bunch of girls who are already making friendship bracelets, let them try it. And then maybe they'll, they'll think, actually, yeah. I think I need, you know what I mean? And then they learn and evolve or whatever. I think that's just a really great tip. That's totally what happened to my son at farmer's market. That's how come he went out of business because everybody else at farmer's market saw this 10 year old kid making banana bread and zucchini bread and started adding, you know, sweetbreads to their own farmer's market stand. And so then he had competition and he ended his business um, on a high note with a bunch of money in his account, but he, and he moved on to something else. He evolved and changed, but yeah, that, that was an awesome lesson for him to learn too. Yeah. And to teach them that just because that phase of your business or that business ends does not make you a failure. You, you pivot, you know, you, you evolve, you keep changing to meet the market needs and, and that makes you a good business person, not a failure, you know? So I think that's so crucial. Yeah, absolutely. And then the second thing I was going to say is, and it sounds like you already addressed this, but don't shield your child from the realities of running a business. For example, don't go to the store and spend $50 on supplies that they can then just blow and keep the profit. (laughs) You know, like I think that's what most, most parents uh, tendency is, oh, you want to have a lemonade stand? Okay, well, let's go buy the lemonade and let's go buy the cups and let's go. And your kid has no clue about overhead and he has no clue about costs. Instead, he's just raking in pure profit. And then when he wants to do it again, you're like, well, you know what I mean? So I think that even an eight, nine, 10 year old can understand that it costs money to set up and then you get gross income and then you have to pay yourself back. So such an important uh, thing. And I think that you, you hit that on the head already and you're teaching your kids the right way. It's a good view. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. You have to, it's goes back to what you say about letting them fail because it's all part of the education. Um, if you're enabling them as well. I mean, it's such our nature, you know, to want to help them out. They've got this cute little idea and you want to help them, but 
they'll have a bigger sense of accomplishment if they've done it all themselves than, I mean, because they know that, you know, like, oh, mom helped me get started on this, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you can't give them a, a loan or even some seed money. Hey, I'm going to give you 20 bucks. You don't have to pay me back, but be aware that this is all you have and you need to be making some calculations yeah. so that if you want to do a second run, how much is it going to cost, et cetera. So, Yeah. And then the final thing we do as our kids get older and get teenagers and beyond and they want um, they want things or they need things, um, we have them to start to contribute to the family or become um, financially independent gradually of us. So like um, at a certain age, and we haven't said this to any of our teenagers, but at a certain age, they just start buying their own clothes. I think it's probably when they got a job and got, a, got their own income and they just kind of felt like they really didn't want um, mom and dad to have to support that part of them before. And I know I mentioned in our episode on kids and cell phones that our kids pay for their own monthly bill um, and they contribute um, insurance for their the car that they drive that's on our insurance policy and, um, you know, help buy a car and all that. So they um, are also contributing and becoming slowly financially independent, even though they're still living in our house. And and that's a really good um, thing for them to have practice because we don't want to just turn them out into the world completely untrained financially. And, you know, they get their first house and they're like, rent? What's that? You know? <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> oh, you mean I have a car payment? Yeah. Or they, they buy, um, you know, they get a place to rent that costs three-fourths of their income because they think, oh, hey, I'll have, you know, 25% left. And then they didn't factor in food and gas and insurance and, you know, everything else that comes with it. But no, we want to turn out kids into the world that have a, a financial savvy and and they, they're not hurting themselves and starving and hurting others. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I, I bet there are probably some of you out there thinking, well, how do I even teach my kid these things if I don't know them myself? Like that's kind of how I was uh, just even just a few years ago, we were still figuring things out, um, you know, on our own, but we'll, we'll link a lot of resources in the show notes. And I just want to share right now that Dave Ramsey and his cash flow system is a great place to start, especially for kids, um, who are getting older, getting jobs, et cetera, because he even gives you like percentages that should be spent on things. So for example, it could be a really fun activity with older kids to sit down with the family budget and say, Let's run our numbers against uh, Dave Ramsey's um, suggested numbers. So this is how much we spend on housing. He suggests whatever, 8% or 10, 30%, something yeah. like that, um, of your income. Are, is ours too low? Is it too high? Can we adjust it, et cetera? Um, anyway, just want to put that plug in because it can be a little overwhelming if you yourself don't feel confident about finances to try to teach your kids. But there are so many great resources out there. Absolutely. Yeah. I've got several to link to. So I'm just going to share a couple of things that we've been doing practical applications of finances with our kids. And then we'll talk about the allowance question. Cause I know that that's probably what everybody's most curious about, but, um, yeah. Uh, like I said earlier about uh, my six-year-old who's learning to save, it is so important to me that kids understand the value of delayed gratification. This is something that I did not learn until I was probably 30 years old, honestly. And, mm. and that's not <laughs> fun for me to admit to. I, it sounds really juvenile, but but it's true. It was really, really hard for me to learn. I think maybe I knew it as a small child and then I forgot it in the age of credit cards, maybe something like that. <laughs> and for kids to understand what they want and what they need most. We personally, I love your approach to um, letting kids pay for clothes and those sorts of things as they get older. We have not done that yet. We don't have anybody um, 
that can get a, a, an actual job, but I'm ready to start that with my oldest because he's starting to care about what he wears and I don't want to yeah. buy the, the name brands. So um, I'm thinking even if I give him the money, but he has only a certain allot- allotment, right? Like I'm only giving you $50 for this next six months or something. You have to figure out how to stretch it, patch up old pants or whatever. Just so many ways to make them more resourceful. Sure, sure. Um, And then we have also done a lot of just informal chats when we go to spend things. So it obviously costs a lot of money for our family to do anything together. We go out for pizza or go out to dinner or we um, go to the movies or like a trampoline park or something. It costs a ton of money. And my kids a while ago, we, we hadn't really opened up this discussion until one day they asked to go to this trampoline park that's really popular here with their cousins. And I added it up. It was going to cost $80 to get my kids in this place. <laughs> and so I sat them down and I said, guys, here's the deal. We got a big family. We'd love to do this. It'd be so fun, but this is what it's going to cost. If we do this, that means, you know, these are the things that we, we usually spend our money on pizza night on Fridays, or, um, you know, we were thinking about going and renting a paddle boat together, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what, what are we going to give up And, and allow them some choice? That is so powerful for a little kid to say, huh, what do I want more? And they can, you know, totally, influence the family spending by coming to a consensus on what they want to spend the money on. And I just think that that has really, really enabled my kids to make better choices and to be okay saying no, we're going to say no to that right now because we'd rather have this. So, yeah, yeah. We have some friends who have a, also have a big family and I just love what they do. Um, they take a trip every year um, somewhere with their big family, and the whole family works together on saving um, toward this goal. And the kids actually get, you know, quite um, they they get into it, and they're like, "No, mom and dad, nope, we're not going to do that because we want to go to you know Missouri this year, or whatever." And I love that. <laughs> yeah, the kids are like policing. Nope, mom and dad, we're not going to buy that. I love that. <laughs> you know, I don't think I've given my children enough opportunities. Like we mentioned in the How to Afford Kids. Our family's been really blessed with, um, you know, some positive financial situations. We're, you know, not wealthy, but we have enough for our needs. And I think by sheltering my kids in the past from those difficult decisions, I've I've taken away the opportunity for them to learn. Um, I will say this: that as difficult as it is to say no to your kids because you don't have the money, I think it's twice as difficult to say no when you do have the money. Mm. because it's a matter of principle and that just hurts. You're sitting there, you know, you know, you can afford it, but you know that it would not be good for your child if you just gave it to them. So, so we feel you parents, either way it's, it's tricky, but but that, uh, that concept is tough for me. (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking about this when I was preparing for this episode too. Like, okay. So one thing, um, my grandparents did for all their grandchildren was, um, to give them a certain amount of money for college or for whatever they wanted after they graduated. And I was thinking about how extremely grateful I was for that because I could tend attend college, um, you know, like worry free, no problem. But I was thinking about myself personally, like, did I appreciate that as much as I do now and being thinking about, you know, being a grandparent someday and thinking about wanting to, you know, bless others with with something financial, you know, a financial gift and then thinking about wanting also wanting them to have the initiative and the drive to 
make money themselves to be able to gift it to their grandchildren. And, you know, just thinking forward in the future like that. And it's like a balancing act between making life easy for people and making making it so they have to get it themselves and they appreciate it more. I, I don't know that I'm expressing this clearly the way it appealed to me, but like trying to be both thankful for what I was given and also give my kids the hunger for it themselves. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. That is a very fine line. I really think it's, and, and when you're talking, I, I thought it, it's almost the difference between making life easy or making life valuable, you know, yeah. because, um, <laughs> and it's not that they're, they're, that a, a child can't really truly enjoy their life and be grateful if it's given to them, but there's something that they miss out on. So I remember talking, um, with someone about someone older than me about, uh, kids, um, who earned their way to college. And, you know, for, for people in my church, many young adults go on these big mission trips, right. For like a year and a half or two years. And it costs a lot of money. We pay our own way. And so those are kind of the two things that most kids, um, you know, have to save for. And this, this person was telling me that in their experience, they had seen that the kids who saved for their mission or their college and were paying it they're paying their own way. We're like twice as hard of workers. <laughs> I was like, Oh, <laughs> wow. That really says mm-hmm. something like they were the ones that had scrimped and saved to get there. And it was almost like they were valuing their experience so much more because, you know, and again, not to say oh. that because you didn't pay for college, you didn't really appreciate your college. I, I had help in college and I feel like I really appreciated my education, but there's just something extra that kids get when they yeah. pay their own way. Yeah. Agreed. Extra education. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And now the allowance questions. So in our family, how we handle allowance is we don't give our kids an allowance. (laughs) We, (laughs) we just don't, um, we don't want them to get a free ride. We want them to think about, I think I've explained pretty well in the how that we want our kids thinking about money and then just to turn around and hand them money just isn't following all those concepts that we're trying to teach to them. So we don't give our kids allowance just for being our kids. (laughs) They don't deserve it. You're so cute. You get $5. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And again, we want to talk with them about consumption versus production. So, um, they do, you know, they can earn money. So if, for example, we have something that we were going to pay somebody to come do, we'll say, okay, kids, um, we're going to, we were thinking about paying somebody to, oh, you know, say build five rabbit cages for us. If one of you wants to earn that money that we were going to pay somebody else to do instead, um, submit us your plan, submit us your idea and let's, you know, you can earn that money instead of giving it to somebody else. (laughs) And then they get money for birthdays. You know, they get cards with money in them and that kind of stuff. And then we try to teach them how to handle and manage money when it comes in like that. But just giving them a weekly or monthly or whatever allowance, that's just not part of our vision for our kids' financial education. So nope, we don't do allowance. Yeah, I love what you said. And we did not do any allowance for a long, long time. Same reason. I was like, I'm not giving my kids money just for nothing. (laughs) But then um, (laughs) we did shift our our thinking a little bit a few years ago, and it's worked really well uh, for us. So I'll share what we do now. Um, Now, so what was happening was I wasn't giving my kids any money, but because they were still too young to like go out and work for anybody else, they were still asking me for jobs to earn money all the time. And then it was like this big uh, dilemma, like, well, how much should I 
pay them for this or that. And it was often chores they were supposed to be doing anyway. And Mm. um, then we'd go to the store and they'd be like, can I have gum? Can I have that? Can I have this? You know, like just little piddly things. And so I was like, hmm, wait a minute. (laughs) So instead what we do now is um, we do give allowance. And what it is, is it's uh, as many dollars as their age per month. So my 10 year old gets 10 bucks a month, 14 year old gets $14 a month. So it's not a ton of money. But what they do with that is anything that they, anything that they want that is not food and shelter. Right. (laughs) So if they want, um, a pair of shoes and, and they still have a pair that fits, that's their money. If they want to pack a gum at the store, it's their money. If they want to, um, any number of things. In fact, I'm, I'm ready to expand it to like birthday presents and other things that keep digging me <laughs> like, like you know, yeah. birthday presents. So the reason we do that was just to simplify, um, any extra little expenditures. So we look at it as, uh, Luke and I look at our own money. So for example, in our own finances, we've each given ourselves, um, uh, what do you even call it? Spending money. Spending money, right? So if I want something that's not a necessity, I pull it from that money. But when it's gone, it's gone. So that's kind of how we look at it with with our kids. Um, It can't be taken away. It can't be earned. It's just there. But um, if they want extra, then they have to go, like you said, find a job somewhere or something. Occasionally, I'll let them earn extra from me. But since I'm already giving them a little bit of pocket change, I don't really do that very often because I hate to be funding everything. Like you want to work, you go find a place to work, you know. Um, And then also we have... Uh, it's not tied to jobs at all. They have to do their jobs no matter what, because what I was finding in the past was they'd say, I'd say, well, you have to do your work or you don't get allowance. And they, and they'd go, well, I don't, I don't care. (laughs) I don't want the money. (laughs) And I'd go, (laughs) (laughs) so they do jobs no matter what. And they get the, the few dollars no matter what. Um, the only exception to this is laundry. I recently gave up laundry because I hate it. So I wash mine and, mm-hmm. and my husband's and the babies and the three big kids wash everybody else's. And I did tack on a few dollars a month if they do theirs and their buddies and put it all away. So that has nice. worked really well for us. You know, I, don't, I really don't think there's a solution that is right for everybody, but those are two, two ways you can look at it. Um, I will say that there are a few cons to giving allowance. One is that entitlement thing, like, well, where's my money kind of thing, you know? When I'm like, actually, it's my money, and I'm allowing you <laughs> some of it. Um, and then, like you said, expecting money without any contribution. Um, and even though we don't give them money because of chores, I am not above taking it away if they're not contributing. So, uh, so there's yeah, that. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so now we have some recommendations for you. Um, and I love exposing my kids to different ideas, different um, books about money. So so um, I love to use the um, Robert Kiyosaki book, Rich Kid, Smart Kid. That is like totally turning them on their heads upside down about money. He's the rich dad, poor dad guy. And then we also um, have them read Dave Ramsey's book, Smart Money, Smart Kids that he wrote with his daughter, Rachel Cruz. And then another one that we have around that they read is called Realionaire. And it's um, Farah Gray. And he uh, started as a little kid. It's about a kid entrepreneur. And he started and it's his whole story and tips for other kids and that kind of stuff. So those are three books that we really like to expose our kids to. Um, yes, I, I love all the rich dad books. I think he has just a really cool way of teaching. Those are a great place to start if you as an adult want some more, um, some more help. Yes, absolutely. And then I will also share, you know, like I said earlier, um, 
Dave Ramsey's whole system. He has a podcast, he has books, he has a cash flow system that's very, very awesome, especially if you find yourself kind of drowning. It's a great kind of reset to your finances. Um, and then I'll share the software we use as well. It's called YNAB. It's, it's actually called You Need a Budget. That's what it stands for. Um, yep. And it has been the best budgeting software for dummies. So if you don't have a husband like Audrey's who knows all the finances and, and knows <laughs> economics, if you are just a money dummy <laughs> like we are, I highly recommend the software. In fact, I think I shared in the um, um, How to Afford Kids that I have a friend who specializes in coaching YNAB and has lots of cool resources. So I'll link to her blog as well. Um, there's just so, so many resources out there to give you help if you need help or if you want some tools to help teach your kids. So lots of good stuff. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this episode, we'd be so grateful if you'd leave us a written review on iTunes. If you have any questions or ideas for future episodes, you can reach us at outnumberthepodcast at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at outnumberthepodcast. See you next week. Agreed. Yeah. Are you talking? Okay, you got to be quiet. Okay. <laughs>